0: NHL just never gives you a chance, do they? They never give you a chance to think for even a split second that they know what they're doing. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. And I have been spending the bulk of my time of late covering... The Steelers and Pirates. Steelers are preparing for the NFL draft that gets going tomorrow night. Pirates are the hottest team in Major League Baseball, which I don't think anybody saw coming. And I've kind of let hockey, I would hope understandably, just fall way to the background. So what I'll do is I'll put a, a game on my laptop through streaming. Uh, Sometimes I'll just do the audio or I just want to have something going. I want to stay in touch a little bit. I want to hear what the announcers have to say. I want to hear about a certain player that might be rising up here or there. And the one thing that I remember thinking to myself as I started doing this early in the first round was all you're going to hear about is this guy should have been suspended or that guy should have been suspended or isn't it crazy that this guy got suspended but that one didn't? And man, it hasn't taken long. This league is, has been, and will remain for the foreseeable future a complete joke when it comes to officiating itself. And I'm not just talking about the stripes on the ice. In fact, I'm predominantly not talking about them. Classic case the other night. Caleb McCarr, the Avalanche. Phenomenal hockey player. An absolute no brainer to end up in the Hall of Fame. He's great in an era where the term great gets overused. But the other night, as our old friend Jared McCann is skating pretty much shoulder to shoulder with him, well after. A play has been completed. Puck is nowhere near them. McCarr just drills McCann into the glass and injures him. You know, they never tell you what kind of injury it is or whatever, but you could see when McCann goes down, it's bad. And he hasn't returned to the Seattle lineup, we don't know when he's going to return to the Seattle lineup. In the moment, the official on the ice calls a major. The right call— I would argue a match penalty, that's just me, that looked like, for those of you who go way, way, way back in hockey, that looked like Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon, also in a playoff series between the Capitals and Islanders. And all Hunter got for doing what he did was 20 bleeping games, after which you thought to yourself, you will never see someone do this again. You will never see someone go after another player that far after the whistle and injure them and not get 20 games. The official calls a major penalty. They then do this somewhat, I think, lame thing where they have Toronto review the incident and determine whether or not it really should have been a major. Some egghead in the NHL's review room looked at that sequence, took into account that the official right there on the ice deemed it a major and lowered it to a minor. Even people in Denver were aghast at this from what I could tell online. Now. The suspension that was issued against McCarr came yesterday and it was exactly what you'd expect. Cause somebody told somebody, well, you gotta have a, you know, you gotta have a hearing. It was a major. Everybody's upset about it. All right. All right. We'll have one. Hey, Kale, did you mean to do what you did? No. Okay. Are you going to do it again? No. You have any history? No. Okay. One game. And that's what he got. One game. So the same league that employs the official that saw the major. Is the same league that employs the replay review person who turned a major into a minor is the same league that then decided the next day to conduct a hearing over the same play, the same sequence, and deem it worthy of pushing somebody out for an entire game? And that's nowhere near enough. Is also the same league that gave three games to the Maple Leafs' Michael Bunting for a deliberate head hit. On the Lightning's Eric Chernak just took his shoulder and drove it into his head. Is, by the way, the same league that saw Joe Pavelski get clocked and we could and and had nothing really to, to offer to that one. That was Matt Dumba of the wild, and everybody thought that was a heinous hit. Nothing happened to Dumba, even though he does have a history. This league has no idea what it's doing, and I'm going to tell you why, because there actually is a reason beyond, you know, that they're just like a bunch of dummies or whatever. It's not that the NHL's Department of Player Safety forever has been first and foremost about doing right by the person committing the act. That has been the sole principal basis of their decision making. How do we make sure we're doing right? Not by the aggrieved, but by the actor. They've done this forever. How can we be sure that that's what he meant to do? Well, let's just default on this side over here because we wouldn't want to punish him unjustly. You know, while Chernak's not in the playoffs, or McCann's not in the playoffs, or Pavelski isn't in the playoffs. And this, if you're looking for a way to tie this in with the Pittsburgh franchise, is why I will continue to insist that it is not okay for the Penguins to continue to be the one team in the NHL that's probably the easiest to push around. They cannot continue to be a team that tells Sid and Gino in particular, hey, fend for yourself, stick up for yourself, or just let the power play do the work. Let the power play be the punishment. I'm sorry, that's living in some sort of uh, myopic, utopian version of the NHL that does not come close to existing here is hoping and this is why i was talking about this in the first couple episodes this week that this general manager in addition to being extremely adept and advanced and ahead of his or her counterparts when it comes to advanced analytics also has some old school in them and understands that this is the league that they're playing in when we come back j1q SJ1Q comes from Brian, who says, Hey DK, how do the Penguins approach the cap situation and fix this bottom six that Ron Hextall created going forward? Brian, I'll I'll make the little addendum here to your question and note that it's both of those situations that Hextall created, meaning the cap and the bottom six that they've got. The answer is going to have to be that those players arrive at a really low cost. Now, you can say, well, how's that possible? Where can you find someone who can contribute on a third line or fourth line that's going to be in the million-dollar range? And I'll come back with, you know, Danton Heinen. But I'll also come back with Evan Rodriguez, gasp, you know, uh, Erod had a period there where he looked like the steel of the century in putting up 20 goals in the first half of a season. Then he went stone cold after that, but he was still a good player. He was still fast. He was still energetic. He was still passionate. He was still everything that this team's bottom six this past year wasn't. And he could have been had for a song. You know how we know that? Because he was had for a song in several consecutive years. He'll just, that's what I'm seeing. If I'm building a bottom six right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins, out of the current group, I am keeping one player and one alone. That's Drew O'Connor. Anyone else you'd have to really, really sell me on. And, and I don't even want to hear, Oh, but we're stuck with Jeff Carter or Mikhail Granland. No, no, nobody forces you to put them on the ice. Okay. You can be stuck with their contracts if you can't find a creative way to move them to, uh, you know, the Coyotes or some other team that needs to be taking on a salary, uh, ad cap, uh, ad draft picks, whatever it is. If you can't pull that off, nobody forces you, nobody, to play them. You put them up in the press box and you tell them this is just how it's going to be. If you don't like it, you're free to retire. And from there, here again, I'm going to mention the combination of analytics and old school thinking. On one hand, you want to find these bargains wherever they are. You want to find a player who's in the million, the 1.5, even the two range. What you don't want to be doing is going and grossly overspending on a Brock McGinn when a Brock McGinn can be found on any random street corner in Newfoundland. You have no reason whatsoever to pay someone like that real money. Find yourself some guys who are... Uh, the skate through the glass types who can kill penalties, block shots for you, and you know what? Occasionally, pop a goal. But with the top six that the Penguins currently have, and this is presuming that Jason Zucker would be retained, you really don't need that much five on five from your bottom six. So, does this seem doable? I don't mean to make it sound easy just by, you know, saying, well, do this. I don't think it will be easy. I think there's going to be a ton of work that's got to be put into it. I think there's going to be a ton of research. There's got to be a ton of getting everybody in your entire system of evaluation involved and say, listen, we, we, we need to come up with four or five players here. And by the way, is there anybody in Wilkesbury who could do this? Can Sam Poulin bounce back? on and off the ice, and make a difference in Pittsburgh? I don't know. Can Volteri Pustinen be that guy? I don't know. <laughs> haven't seen them, you know? But I do know that they don't cost much, and I do know that they're here, and they've at least played this coach's system in wilkes Let's see. Let's find out. But that's still not going to fill out your bottom six. You still need to get yourself some impact. And I do believe that one or two of those players is going to have to be NHL-type players. You're going to ask me about Ryan Paling. You're probably doing it right now. And look, I loved what I saw from him when he was on. I really did. But when you have a back problem, and that's my understanding as to what Paling's had, is a back problem. Um he's going to have to do some significant work to convince any potential suitor that he's ready to be healthy for 82 games or even 70 plus or whatever, but you can't have someone come in and take a roster spot and be a cap hit and everything else. And then participate in like half the games. I really, really, really liked him, but you can't force somebody or wish for somebody to be healthy i appreciate the question there's a lot more meat on that bone and we should get to it in in greater detail at some point in the future let's do another one of these tomorrow after a few more suspensions in the national hockey league